check, 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 check. Supposed to supposedly use Sorry, the I was doing the wrong same one. voice as you would when you're presenting. Hello? Is that better? Check. Okay, cool. Hey. I forgot to um, an announcement. Uh, Bobby G sent me a text, and, and Crystal, his nurse, her sister died last night. Thank you. Any other announcements that has popped up? Have popped up? Okay, well, we'll keep her in our prayers. Um, so this is the third Sunday in Advent. Welcome back. Um, and today the topic is joy, or supposedly the third um, Sunday in Advent is the theme of joy. And so uh, today it's my presentation is <laughs> finding joy in the season of Advent. Um, and so the last time I spoke, it was very different. It'll You'll see it's slightly different. So before it was more... Um, me digging into a, a more um, qualitative version of my interpretation of the Bible, and today it's more quantitative. So this is for you, Kent. Historically based. I just wanted you made it through the vegan uh, sermon, so you're gonna get a history one today. <laughs> No, we didn't. Um, but no, today is I uh, the the reading is from Ezra, and let's see, yeah, from the book of Ezra. And I was telling Jen Thayer earlier that when I first got the chunks of verses, um, I had no idea what to even, I don't, I didn't know how it related in any way, um, and then thankfully I was able to get the, uh, an interpretation of them, and it took, for me to understand it, it took a lot of historical background, and I think often we don't really dig into that, and it helped me understand it better, especially in more of a, um, a reality like this this was real this is a real story and to see it as that rather than just this you know church mystical story that we just have memorized or we know about um that seems more fantasy than reality <coughs> so it's three chunks of verses from Ezra and I'll read them to you um one through four the message in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, this fulfilled the message of God preached by Jeremiah. God prodded Cyrus, king of Persia, to make an official announcement throughout his kingdom. And he wrote it out as follows. <clears throat> From Cyrus, king of Persia, a proclamation. God, the God of the heavens, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has also assigned me to build him a temple of worship in Jerusalem, Judah. Who among you belongs to his people? God be with you. Go to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the temple of God, the God of Israel, Jerusalem's God. Those who stay behind, wherever they happen to live, will support them with silver, gold, tools, pack animals, along with free will offerings from the temple of God in Jerusalem. So, what I, I wish I could, I knew how to go forward and backwards on my slide. I'm too nervous 
we'll see what happens next. Anyway, so this piece of history is post-exile for the Israelites, and Cyrus was the founder of the Persian Empire. He and his, you know, backing triumphed over the Babylonians and captured the city of Babylon in October 539 B.C. In five in 538 B.C., he allowed the exiled Ju- Judeans to return home. And that wasn't just the Jews, but it was also other groups uh, of people as well that were allowed to go back to where they originated. So before anyone knew the name of this conqueror, which was Cyrus, God had anointed Cyrus to, quote, fulfill all his purpose. And this is found in Isaiah 44, 28. And that was written in 681 BC. So over 100 years before Cyrus ruled, um, it was prophesied, prophesied in Isaiah that he would. Okay, here, Kent, look. <laughs> so this is Persia, and you can see kind of the brown, that's where Babylon is, and is roughly um, Baghdad today, or that area. And you can see how far, he said, and if I could go back, he said he rule, he's ruling over many nations, and this kind of shows you how far it ended up stretching. Um, it has some, you know, dates on there for you. And then the next one. So this is the Isaiah uh, verse. 28, who says of Cyrus, this is kind of a, a cut-off sentence, but who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and will accomplish all that I please. He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt, and of the temple, let its foundations be laid. So on the left, is the temple that Solomon, the Temple of Solomon, or Solomon helped built. And on the right, this is actually a picture that I took from my study Bible of um, the new temple that was being built. So the Temple of Solomon was supposedly bigger and more beautiful and more ornate than the new one was, um, but it, it was destroyed, and so they wanted to rebuild another one when it was the right time. So Babylon was the empire that destroyed Jerusalem and Judah, but Cyrus comes and conquers Babylon. The people of God are no longer centered in one city or nation. They're kind of, you know, spread out all over the the map we had just seen. But some of them do come back. Emperor Cyrus gives the people of his kingdom permission to worship their own gods and go back to their homeland and rebuild their temple. And for Cyrus, this is a controversial act because it is the source of so much resistance to imperial oppression. And Cyrus was most likely not a believer, and this is very apparent in the readings um, throughout the whole thing, but uh, he's not a believer in the God of Israel. He learned the name of Israel's God from the Judean exiles. And Cyrus was tolerant of all religions, which was unique. Um, and letting the conquered people retain their national gods. So Cyrus had a self-interest in doing this. Um, And so, as you can assume, if people were oppressed and controlled by the Babylonians, um, by offering 
people to do as they please when it comes to worship and their gods. He's fostering a loyalty um, by being a little bit more lenient as a ruler. So Ezra 3, 1 through 4. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled into their towns, the people assembled together in Jerusalem. Jeshua, son of Josedek, and his brother priests, along with Zerubbabel, this one I practiced a lot, but I don't know, Zerubbabel, <laughs> the son of Shealite, Teal, <laughs> and his relatives, went to work and built the altar of the, go- of the God of Israel to offer whole burnt offerings on it, as written in the revelation of Moses, the man of God. Even though they were afraid of what their non-Israelite neighbors might do, they went ahead anyway and set up the altar on its foundations and offered whole burnt offerings on it morning and evening. They also celebrated the festival of booths as prescribed and the daily whole burnt offerings set for each day. They presented the regular whole burnt offerings for Sabbaths, new moons, and God's holy festivals as, as well as free will offerings for God. So, Jeshua and Zerubbabel became the leaders in the build of that second temple that I showed you earlier. They built the new temple's foundation in the same spot of the last one, the one from Solomon. They began using their altar for the same activities and celebrations from their past. It was allowed again, and and they had returned, but things weren't as exactly as they had been. Much had changed despite coming back to the same land and rebuilding a sister, te- a sister temple, so to speak, uh, of one of the one that had stood there in the same spot. And so this is the last little bit. Ezra 3, 10 through 13. When the workers lay the foundation of the temple of God, the priests and their robes stood up with, the, with trumpets, and the Levites, son of Asaph, with symbols to praise God and the tradition of David, king of Israel. They sang and oh, I thought I changed. <laughs> they sang antiphonally praise <laughs> and thanksgiving to God. Yes, God is good. He, his love towards Israel endures forever. All the people boomed out hurrahs, praising God as the foundation of the temple of God was laid. As many were noisily shouting with joy, Many of the older priests, Levites, and family heads who had seen the first temple, when they saw the foundations of this temple laid, wept loudly. People couldn't distinguish the shouting from the weeping. The sound of their voices reverberated for miles around. So, as we can see through this, there were people who had a a wide range of emotion. It wasn't just joy that the new temple was was being erected but it was also kind of a an echo or a a void of what had once been and is no longer the same anymore um so through all of these verses even though cyrus doesn't know the lord the lord is using him god is fulfilling his promises through cyrus by bringing his people back home returning from exile so for us, how does this, you know, work out in our lives? Um, I, like I said, I had these three pieces and I just had no idea how it related to us in Christmas in any way. 
Um, but we all kind of at some point in our lives return home or return back to somewhere for Christmas. And we find often that it's no longer what it was. We think that we are coming back to the vivid memories of younger years or in the church or this time of year, um, the things we're coming back to, but we aren't because life continues to evolve and unfold. But even through this, um, massive social change, coming home isn't really coming home, but God can be worshiped here. Um, so I want to know from you, what are some Christmas traditions that you had in the past um, or traditions for this Advent season maybe that you remember as a kid or when you were younger even that um, you remember fondly? My parents didn't, uh, <clears throat> they weren't real social people, like they mostly just stayed on the farm, but around Christmas time we would make uh, homemade caramel corn and we'd dip like uh, beeswax candles and, oh, we'd make jam and we'd go around to all our neighbors and like take little baskets. We called it ho-hoing, I'm not sure why, <laughs> but we didn't, we didn't go ho-hoing today. So, um, and that, I, I remember that very fondly. That's really nice. Ho-hoing. Yeah. <laughs> I get for the podcast. Ho-hoing is going around to neighbors with jams and candles. With your sweets. <laughs> and sweets. And you're fired. Herb <laughs> um, has now found out that uh, a Christmas tradition of our family is um, the Raycon Singers 3 uh, Christmas albums uh, that... Those versions, that's the way the songs get sung in our household. <laughs> so we're preparing for that. <laughs> it's, mine was, my grandmother always made like lots of fudge and candies and cookies and stuff like that. And in the Growing up then in the country, like people would just drop in, like just stop by. Yeah, and not allowed to do that anymore. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, you'd always have like tins ready to like give to people if they dropped oh, by or if you went and randomly dropped by their house. You said, So Jenny said to <laughs> create tins of goodies, candies for people who, and cookies, I suppose, fudge. Who dropped by and just needed Christmas cheer and vice versa. And then also musical tradition for the podcast. <laughs> Anybody else want to share anything fond? It's not real festive, but we, we never got to go to the movie theater, really, except on Christmas Eve. Movies on Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve. The whole family would go to the movie. That's fun. We oftentimes did a puzzle next to our fireplace. A Christmas puzzle by no, the fire? just a puzzle. Any puzzle. Any puzzle. How just many pieces? <laughs> 500. 200. 20. 500. I remember one 20. that almost didn't get done because it was mega. I mean, they were jigsaw puzzles. Wow. So not, you know, the map of the United States or anything. It's just big, big time. 
Um, so I assume that some of those things, it sounds like everybody is reflecting, maybe not so much yours, yours seems to have gone on, but for the rest, it, it's things we're thinking back on that might not be exactly the same anymore. Um, and I have a little story. So, so yeah, as we, as I, as we can relate to the people in this verse, things kind of evolve over time and maybe sometimes we're wanting to go backwards um, or wanting to recapture those feelings and emotions from the past and it's fun to relive those memories but then there's also a little twinge of maybe loss from that and the story I wanted to share was about my grandmother who um, she was born in 1925 and has since passed away but she <laughs> She loved music so much so that she became a music teacher and taught children. So Jen there, you could probably relate, but imagine teaching them music all day long. <laughs> That's what she did, and she loved it. And um, her singing voice was nowhere near where she wished, I think, it could have been, or the rest of us, but she sang loudly anyway. And if you weren't singing in church, she would kind of elbow you and say, are you happy? And we say, well, yeah. She's like, well, then sing. <laughs> and so she just loved music. And the best part of the year for her, she was a very devout uh, Christian and churchgoer. And so when Christmas time or Advent time came, uh, she loved the Christmas music. And my grandfather had cochlear implants put in uh I don't know, 20 years or so ago. He's also passed away. But when, and he also had hearing aids before that, and they weren't so good as how they are today. So anyway, whenever she would play music, it would bother these inner, <laughs> new inner ears. And so he would say, Greta, turn that off. <laughs> so she, the only time she had to listen to Christmas music was when she would go to Christmas serv or Advent services on Sundays or during the weekday. And then uh, time went on and life evolved and she, um, her church that she attended got a new minister of music and the pastor was also fairly new. And they were kind of in cahoots. They had a same, similar methodology and um, they all believed that you weren't allowed to sing Christmas songs until Christmas. So the 25th of December was when you could sing them. And then I think you had maybe a week or so after that, um, which isn't very many days to get together. And that was it. And she was so mad. <laughs> but uh, she went and she, if she, you know, as she aged, um, the Christmas, the the Christmas services were later. They were five, six, midnight, and she sometimes was too worn out to go. And so I was just so sad for her that she didn't get to hear this music that I knew she loved. I said, Gigi, at your funeral, I called her Gigi, said, you just need to have it all be Christmas music <laughs> to kind of stick it back at them. <laughs> but she, she did it. She, she had lovely songs. But um, so this was something that she clearly, you know, evolved and changed as time went on. And I know that she wished she could have gone back or the way things were could have gone back. But when she did get those 
those um, moments of singing those songs, she sang them so loudly and so with so much joy because she finally got, you know, got that moment that she had longed for from the past. Um, and so this is my new little baby niece. She was born on Friday. Her name is Elise. And this will be my first Christmas with her and our whole family, of course. Um, but this is also the first Christmas without my grandfather. He passed away last February, this February. Um, and I literally have never celebrated a Christmas with my family without my grandfather being present. Um, but I've also never celebrated a Christmas with Elise being present. And the beauty of Advent is that it stirs up all the emotions. Happy ones, sad ones, somber contentment, coziness, um, just all of the things at once. And through it all, there is a thread of joy. Joy of new life within ourselves because of the life that was given to Jesus in his birth. So it is okay for us to mourn those who may not be at the table this year or the traditions that may have been lost or discontinued. Um, and we can still rejoice while singing the same songs, the Christmas and Advent songs that um, the people in the past in our lives used to sing and used to, um, and this, where am I at here? So yeah, the, we can still rejoice in the songs, and we can still rejoice in the God that they also trusted in. Um, there's a bittersweet note in this holiday, knowing that some people that we knew and love aren't physically coming back to celebrate with us. And nonetheless, we are invited into worship in our tears, just as those who rebuilt the temple did. We don't need to suppress the celebration, so let's rejoice and worship. So having this yin and yang of contrasting emotions is welcomed at the same time. And this is what Christmas is all about, because all is okay, everything is okay. We don't have to snuff down one side of that contrast for other people around us. Um, so I guess I want to open it up one more time. Are there, and this is a little bit more prodding, but are there any um, maybe sad twinges for the season for you that this brings up that often you feel that you need to keep down or keep put away um, because of the other people who are around you. I guess I could start if you wanted me to. <laughs> um, one of the things I guess that always seems to come up is, yeah, the, the loss of people in our life. And um, like I mentioned, my grandmother was so into Christmas, like her house was covered in everything. And it's, always because she just loved Christmas and people knew she loved Christmas. So she got more decorations and she had little parties and she always made, you know, cute little activities for us to partake in and it brought us all together. And so our whole family is very close now because of the traditions that she 
kind of initiated. But without her being there and without, there's, you know, fewer and fewer uh, older people who, from the past, who are a part of these uh, celebrations, it seems like, what, like, what do we do now? You know, it's like everything's, you know, what's, uh, like the tide's gone out. And so you're left with all this dry sand and it's, do we keep going because, you know, do we all get together in the same way because this is just what we did or we don't need to anymore because these people who valued this moment so much aren't here anymore. So it just leaves this weird, like unsteady ground in my mind of like, how, how do we move on with tradition? Um, so that's, that's the loss in my Christmas. <laughs> For me, um, <clears throat> Since we're married and there's only one Christmas, it's you. You either have to be with one family or the other, um, or I guess by yourself. But um, this Christmas we're going to be with Hannah's parents, and that's fun. And I have a lot of fun with them. It's a really good time. But it means that I'm not with my family at Christmas, and so I I feel kind of a little bit bad that I'm not with my parents, but. Um, I'm also having a good time with theirs. Yeah, having to figure out which piece of your family to spend the holidays with is, yeah, I think a really tricky situation for a lot of people. Thanks for sharing. Mine would be, uh, as my mom gets older, harder for her to take the five-hour drive back to Illinois. Um, she basically said this year, she said that every year she's not going to go, but I think this year she actually means it. Because um, uh, my brother doesn't have any place for us to stay, so we have to rent a hotel room. My sister's got room, but she's got a really big Victorian house and the stairs are straight up and down. And so it's hard for mom to do, do all that and everything. And, um, so it's, it's disappointing that we, I mean, I know she wants to see all the grandkids and stuff, but the, the part that like really is disappointed is that they won't take the time to come over here to see the 83-year-old lady, right? And, and so the fact that she can't make the drive doesn't bother me as much as the fact that I know that they won't take the time to come over here. And you know, Amy and, and Luke now and, and her family came back there and like, Added complications, you know, trying to figure out how to see her family and for her to meet my family, but my mom can't stay the whole time. So it's just, that's what it's Yeah, yeah, it's complicated. Well, we've just found our own traditions in the everyday, every Sunday. And so it's like it's, we're just continually celebrating. Well, my family's struggling what you're struggling with with your grandmother's passing. We're struggling with my mom, even though she's not passed, but she's now in a home. And uh, we've been very, I've been worried about my dad because, like, you know, he doesn't want to mess with putting a Christmas tree up or anything like that. And so this will be his first Christmas to wake up on Christmas morning by himself. And, and we, last year was really hard for him because 
it's kind of a long story, but basically he, he wanted Christmas to be normal last year, and yet we all were like, there's no, it can't be normal, and uh, yet he, he kind of like went into Christmas Day like hoping it would be normal, and then when it wasn't, it was really hard on him, so yeah, just trying to deal with that, because my mom was the one that would always have the big Christmas spread, and we would have gone there, and it would have been all this food and snacks and stuff, and it was just kind of, you know, a nice time, mm-hmm. and uh and like we don't even go to my dad's house now because he really can't do you know it would be a real burden for him for us to go to his house. Um, so we're gonna go to my brother's house instead. So that's hard to take. It's hard to get excited about that. Well, thanks everyone for sharing. I think that. You know, with movies like Elf and the Christmas Story and parades downtown and lights and, you know, Christmas performances from children, you know, we we feel like we need to be happy or we feel like we should be rejoicing and, you know, jumping around and buying gifts and, I don't know, just doing all the things and kind of snuffing away or putting are, you know, a more emotional and um, upset side of our, you know, Christmas experiences on the back burner. Um, But I want to just encourage everybody, the ones who've shared and the ones who haven't, um, to just take, if you have a moment throughout the rest of, you know, nine or ten days left until Christmas, um, just sit with those feelings for a few minutes um, and and really feel them because those are things that deserve to be recognized and for you uh, to process. And often when we don't process those things, they stick with us and they get suppressed within ourselves and our minds um, and they come back in other forms and they've grown and they get, you know, nastier. Um, And it's, so it's okay. Like those feelings are all okay. And, Nothing's wrong, and you don't have to be a certain way to prove yourself um, in the Christmas season. So, as we close, we have a a few more minutes, um, maybe just to connect with one another afterwards. But uh, I just want to encourage you all to find the joy and find the sorrow within Christmas and to um, shout and rejoice as loudly as you weep. Um, because that is the purpose of Jesus coming for for us and the beauty in his entire existence. So come as you are, new life being proclaimed in Advent, as well as God's faithfulness is seen throughout this season. So if anyone has the music, could whip that up while I (laughs) pray for us. I'm going to pray now for <laughs> God, thank you for meeting us where we are today, this third Sunday in Advent. Uh, thank you for sharing the stories through your word, the Bible, that we can see and reflect on. Um, and, and with a little bit of digging and understanding, we can see how it relates to our lives today, today in 2019. Um, which is absolutely amazing. And thank you 
for bringing us here together as one body um, and allow us to continue to grow in our comfort with one another, to connect and to support and uplift and hug and hold and be with those in our congregation who who need that right now um, and allow us to open and let ourselves be um, hugged and held by others when we're aching as well. Um, God, I also want to pray for Crystal right now and uh, her, her spiritual hug from you, um, that she can feel your peace and your presence while she deals with the passing of her sister. Um, that is such an unimaginable pain that she's going through, especially this time of the year. And so just showing her that there is joy and peace in the memories that were once present um, or that, that are now present for uh, for her sister or from her sister and that there is peace and love given to her as well while you're while she's going through this mournful time. So God, today meet us at the table. Um, bless the bread, which is your body, and the juice, which is your blood, to our spiritual bodies and our souls. Thank you for coming to earth and living an incredible life for us to emulate. Thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.